Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. I'm your co-host, Cricket Lou, here in person this time with my co-host, Matt Larson. Hi there. And we're here for the fourth episode of the podcast. Um, I guess that makes this our, our senior year, right? Yes, to continue the metaphor from last time. <laughs> Wait, is that a metaphor or is that an analogy? I guess it's an analogy. Uh, it's a metaphor if we say this is our senior year. Oh, okay. Right? It's not a simile, though. No, that would say, that would be some, that would be uh, this is this as, as our senior year. This is as late as well. <clears throat> it's not our senior year. But I just want to emphasize that we are both in the same place recording the podcast for the first time in the history of the podcast. That's right. That's right. Uh, now we don't want to raise anybody's expectations. The podcast will not necessarily be of higher quality <laughs> or, or in, better rehearsed. In fact. <laughs> yeah, in fact, probably not. Um, but I did want to get one uh, item of housekeeping out of the way. Uh, Rich Goodson, who in last the last podcast, episode three, had sent in a question about prefetching. He sent us follow-up email uh, after he listened to uh, our, our podcast three. And clarified that that prefetching actually, uh, in in his view, was uh, a function in which a web browser, uh, when you load a page that contains a whole lot of embedded links, will actually um, ahead of time look up domain names within those links. And and that makes sense. We we were kind of critical last time of um, no, you're going to have to remind me because I don't have Rich's email in front of me. What's what's the other thing that we described where as you're typing the URL, it it uh, resolves what what's that called well i've only ever heard that called prefetching as well oh we don't have a specific term for that okay right and that was something that was measured uh, i'm sorry mentioned in google's uh blog on chrome which I, I actually pointed rich towards right and 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 last time we uh well i guess i was particularly critical of that but uh prefetching as defined as resolving the links on a page i mean that i can see that seems to make sense right uh, i mean the issue there of course is that if you never click on any of the links on the page the resolver might end up doing a whole lot of work sending a lot of queries your recursive name servers um, spin their wheels looking up uh, addresses for those um, those domain names and you may never use them so it, you could actually incur a fair amount of load without a whole lot of benefit right but um, depending, of course, on how the page is constructed, if uh, there are you know, 50 links and a lot of them refer to the same domain name, then it's really not a lot of overhead. And it can speed up performance. Uh, Rich pointed out, though, that, uh, that this could actually skew web metrics that are based on um, measurement of, of what sorts of queries are, are, are being sent, how often certain domain names are being, being looked up, because um, you know, if you load a, a page with uh, 20 or 50 links or, or whatever, they're all going to look like they were clicked, uh, at least to somebody who's looking solely at uh, the DNS queries that were sent on a particular user's behalf. And that's certainly true. Um, there's no question that it would tend to, to make things a little bit fuzzier. But I, I would imagine that also a lot of web uh, metrics packages, at least those that people use to track people coming to their own websites, don't rely on that kind of data. Yeah, there's well, that's a whole other thing. Um, you know, some do uh, JavaScript based on on the site that that instruments things, and uh, others have have panels where you have you know, in instrument at the other end, you instrument their web browser, and but uh, yeah, you're, you're right. That all tends to look at it from a web centric, not a DNS centric perspective. 
Right, right. That assumes, of course, you have access to either the client end or the server end. And if you're somewhere in between and trying to get that kind of data, then then uh, I guess you might be relying on, on DNS queries. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, it's very awkward. I don't know if I should look at you. I'm not used to looking at you during the podcast. <laughs> what, what do you look at when <laughs> What do you look at when we're doing this over I, over Skype? I just stare at the wall. All right, all right. You could hang a picture of me or something. All right. Um, so does that? I think that probably takes care of of, uh, of Rich's question, at least to the to the extent of our ability. I think <laughs> to so. Answer it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I think we should. Uh, I think we should go to the mailbag. Okay, sounds good. Um, the first question that we had was actually from a former colleague of ours, Brian Jeems, uh, with whom we worked at HP when we were at. Uh, well, first for me, it was corporate telecommunications and office systems, and then it was probably corporate network services. Yes, corporate network services, and I think I left before it came. EBIS E colon B I S, <laughs> and I don't, can't even tell you what that stood for. Yeah, I, I, the names got progressively stranger. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, but what Brian asked was, uh, is blocking all external DNS resolution an appropriate and effective security measure for an enterprise network? And my initial response to him, and I sent him this in email, was, well, if you block all external DNS resolution, as in you can't resolve any internet domain names, yeah, <laughs> then, sure, you're, you're pretty well protected from... Uh, from the uh, the internet's DNS infrastructure because you have an air gap. Well I, was, well, I was just about to say, why not, why not just unplug your computer and you'll be uh, you'll be even better shape. Right, but but Brian clarified uh, in, in another message. He said uh, we plan to only allow our primary IT administered DNS servers to query internet name servers directly. Our all internal clients will have to use internal name servers or an approved list of exceptions. For example, OpenDNS's servers. Um, all internal DNS servers will have to forward their DNS queries to the IT-administered DNS servers. Our goal is to protect the internal clients that have been reconfigured to use malicious DNS servers. Would uh, Mr. DNS recommend this change and or caution against any unintended consequences? All right. Well, you know, why don't I take just a moment and uh, clarify what forwarding is, because it's possible that not everybody is uh, is familiar with that. Sure, so, sure. Uh, I mean, Cricket and our uh, before we started recording, you were pointing out that this is actually very common nowadays in the enterprise networks that you design. But forwarding is where you have a you have a stub resolver, which is what's on your PC or your well. There's no PCs in this office, actually, only Macs. Um, and so you have a population of stub resolvers uh, on on uh, end user machines, typically, and uh, you know they send recursive queries to a recursive name server. And if no forwarding is involved, then the iterative resolver on the recursive name server uh, does its thing by contacting various authoritative servers, and it resolves your query and hands back the final result to the stub resolver. Right, and it may it may start as high up as the root name servers and work its way down, following referrals to find the authoritative name servers that actually have the the uh, authoritative answer and get those back. Right, right. and the other, the other thing about an iterative resolver that I didn't mention is that. Uh, you know, I think every single one I'm aware of, they have a cache. Yeah. So they're not much good without that. So they, you know, they can uh, have the cached information as a reference point to mm -hmm. save future work. Um, but forwarding is when you insert uh, basically another recursive name server. You have a chain of these things. So stub resolver sends a recursive name server. Uh, excuse me. A stub resolver sends a recursive query to one recursive name server, uh, which might answer it if it's authoritative for the data. 
And if not, then rather than invoking the iterative resolver, it just punts that query again as yet another recursive query to another recursive name server. Right. The forwarder. The forwarder, right. Which, which is kind of a kind of a quirky nuance of DNS terminology that the thing that you forward to is referred to as the forwarder. And the thing doing the forwarding is just a forwarding name server. Yeah. There's yeah. not really an accepted term for that, I don't think. Right. There's no real designation for it. Yeah. You would think that the thing doing the forwarding would be the forwarder, but no, in fact, it's the other way around. Yeah. So when... Um, I'm sorry, I sort of mixed feelings about, about this. I mean, as somebody who... Uh, works for a company that does DNS stuff, I like to be able to sit at my desk and fire off DNS queries from the machine on my desk to various internet name servers to do troubleshooting or to check something out, but I am not the typical use case. Right, right. I, I had the, the same uh, objection to this when, when we first put it in here at, at Infoblox. We should probably describe what the threat is. Yes. I mean, what it is that, that uh, Brian is trying to guard against. And this was um, something discovered by a research team that was headed up by uh, David Dagon. I, is it pronounced Dagon or Dagon? I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard it pronounced. Well, ne neither have I. I'm going to meet him next week, though. Well, you can ask I him. will. <laughs> and we'll re-record the podcast, <laughs> or at least edit it. Yeah. Um, but but what, they, uh, what they did was, was some very, very interesting work. Um, they... Uh, had a huge number of open recursive name servers, a big list of open recursive name servers on the internet. And they sent these open recursive name servers um, queries for well-known domain names. Do you remember what the original study was? I mean, the, the, as you're about to say, the conclusion of the study wasn't, I think, what they set out to study, right? Yeah, I, d I don't know that they had any suspicions about these open recursive name servers. Um, but but it's it's sort of common knowledge that there are a lot of name servers out there on the internet that are completely open to recursive queries, and with with just a very few exceptions, they shouldn't be open recursive name servers. So we you know we run our annual survey with the measurement factory, and I think we detected last time, eleven or twelve million name servers on the internet, and over forty percent of them are open and recursive. So it's it's a huge population of name servers, and and as part of the study, they 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 sort of swept through a, a subset of them. And they sent them, sent them these queries for well-known domain names. Like, what's the IP address of the A root server? Now, that's, that's an answer that you should always get the same IP address back as, as a response to. And what they found was that, of course, in the, in the vast majority of cases, they got exactly uh, the same IP address, the correct address of a.root-servers.net. In some small number of cases, though, they actually got, they actually got a a falsified address, or in fact a group of addresses that that kept coming back over and over and were not, um, none of them were, were the correct address of that root name server. And when they looked a little bit more closely at what was actually running at those IP addresses, they found that they were open web proxy servers um, in sort of unsavory places, at least from an internet standpoint, like, like Russia and China. And, and so the, the net effect, if you had your or you know, if you were using those open recursive name servers from your your laptop, for example, your stub resolver was pointed at them, then you would kind of have all of your traffic transparently proxied through one of those one of those open web proxies, where it might be might be examined, recorded, um, reused. Who knows what? Right. And so to uh, I'll sort of steal your punchline. You know. So what what was presumably 
using these was malware of various kinds that people would pick up and it would reconfigure their PC stub resolver to use the bad guy name servers. And uh, because there's this presumably transparent proxy there doing whatever evil it's doing, intercepting, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you wouldn't know unless you inspected your PC's DNS configuration and, and who does that. Right, or, or did what they did. They actually set up a monitor at the periphery of the Georgia Tech network to see whether any of their internal stub resolvers were in fact sending queries to those, you know, any of these malicious name servers. There were about 68,000 of them uh, that they found in the study, and they found that actually some were. There were some uh, internal PCs that had been infected with these Trojans that rewrote their uh, resolver configurations. And so, you know, for who knows how long those people had their, their traffic sent through those proxies. Yeah, and, and this is, I would think, a relatively new thing. Like, when you and I were working at HP 15 years ago, I mean, uh, this, just wasn't, this just wasn't a threat. I mean, this— I'd never heard of it. Right. I just—so, um, you know, I, I guess I, I say that just to point out that had I been asked this question even as recently as a few years ago— I probably would have been, come down on the side of, oh, just why Why are you inconveniencing your potential power users, right. unnecessary filtering, mm -hmm. what benefit are you getting? But but now I, I can't make that argument anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, uh, actually configuring your firewall not to permit resolvers inside your organization to query name servers out on the Internet, unless there's a very good reason for that, um, like in Brian's example, um, somebody using OpenDNS, uh, that's a very prudent thing to do because then if someone has the misfortune of accidentally running across some of this malware and they have their, their resolver settings reconfigured, then DNS will simply stop working for them rather than you know, this, this traffic being surreptitiously sent through uh, the Ukraine or Russia or wherever. Yeah, so I would say Mr. DNS approves of this, uh, of Brian's <laughs> choice. <laughs> this is a Mr. DNS approved configuration. Yes. All right, good, good. Um, we had another security-related question come in from uh, Max Gribov, and he found some entries in his name server's log. It looks like he has query logging turned on, and he sent us a snippet from his uh, syslog output. And it showed a number of clients sending queries to him for the list of root name servers. In fact, they're recursive queries for the list of root name servers. Um, and he says, there are thousands of these queries, and two of those machines are querying my server about 30 times a minute uh, for this information. In other words, for the list of the root name servers. And he says, I contacted the ISP for those IP addresses, and it turns out those boxes are under DNS recursion attack. Someone on the net is querying random servers for the root zone and sets query source to the poor saps over there. Uh, and then he talks about what he tried to do to mitigate that. Um, which was to configure an access control list on the root zone. He actually set his name server up as authoritative for the root zone and put a, an, an allow query substatement on okay. it. Okay, that's kind of clever. Well, um, wh why don't I—I I just want to clarify to make sure everybody understands uh, what, what's going on here. Uh, so let's say that, uh, Cricket, I want to attack you, and you have— uh, a name server, it doesn't matter if it's authoritative or recursive, it's just a name server, let's say it's at uh, IP address 1.2.3.4. Mm -hmm. So what I can do is, there are all these uh, authoritative servers out there, and most of them have the root hints configured. Even if they're authoritative only, they probably still know 
about the uh, about the root name servers. A lot of them do anyway. Right, and in, in, in a bind name server, that's compiled in. It is, root yeah. name servers is, is compiled yeah. into the code now. Right, so you ask it a query for, you know, dot .inns. In other words, you know, name ns records for, for the root. You're going to get back a response that's... Uh, Geez, it's it's about five hundred. It's around five hundred bytes, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a little smaller than that, but yeah. but very close to. Yeah, and so uh, so these in other words, these servers are everywhere that are happy to return approximating or, you know up to five hundred bytes for the query size of what about uh, fifty seventy something. About? I think it was about last time I looked at it, it was about forty five bytes. Oh, even smaller than yeah. I thought. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if I want to attack you at one dot two dot three dot four, I just pick all these different authoritative servers and I send them queries for root name servers, but I forge the source IP address mm -hmm. in, in my query. So I say that I'm really coming from 1.2.3.4 when in right. fact that's not my source IP address at all. And then the authoritative server that gets that uh, happily responds. And we should note that the response is you know, significantly larger than the query. So we've mm -hmm. got amplification going on and the response goes to you and you have no idea why you're getting it because you didn't send the query. Right, right. I mean, if, if you're in fact sending that response to my name server, my name server is just going to drop it because, you know, it, it, it didn't actually solicit the response. Right. And however, if you do this, if you get enough different uh, servers pounding, you know, 1.2.3.4 in this case, uh, it's going to add up. That's right. That's right. And you may overwhelm them with uh, the sheer amount of traffic that's that's being sent. So there there are a number of ways to combat this, uh, short of, for example, uh, what what Max did, which was to to configure an authoritative root zone on his name server and to put uh, a query access control list on it. Although I would certainly applaud him for his public spiritedness, and that's also a very clever way of doing it. I was it. just about clever was the very word I was going to use as well. Yeah, yeah. But you could you can do this, for example, with almost any bind name server. Uh, if it's authoritative for say ten zones, you can uh, set your allow query access control list uh, for the entire name server to say nobody. I mean, if it's not serving anything but those authoritative zones, you can set allow query, and this is in, in sort of the bind, uh, the bind idiom, in an option substatement to, to serve nobody. And then for each individual zone, you can say allow queries for any, from anybody uh, and override the, the global query access list. So that way, if somebody sends you a query for the NS records for the root zone, you'll respond with uh, a, response a response code called refused, which is a very, very short response. So that, that's effectively no amplification at that point. Uh, there are other ways to do that. Uh, you you want to describe uh, an, another way of handling it with uh, bind nine name servers? It's uh, it's additional from cache, and it's an option substate. That's right. But the catch is so now we're going to get into a bind version discussion. Do we remember when this when this came in? It's it's been in bind nine for for some time. I'm not too worried because it replaced the old uh, bind eight fetch glue. Oh right, yeah. So you you can this this additional from cache no uh, tells your server to not populate the additional section of a response with data from the cache, uh, which even in an authoritative only server is still going to include um, these NS records for the root. Right, right. So you're saying basically uh, if somebody queries you, don't try to be helpful and add a bunch of data from your cache to the response. Instead, it'll actually have more or less the same net effect, right? You'll send back a response code refused, 
uh, message to them, I think. Right. Right, and so uh, oh, there I said I said right, right. It must, it, it must be my proximity it's, to you. It's infectious. We have a, we have a, I think we have a running gag in the podcast now. Um, yeah, so that that's that's a way to do it. Now, uh, of course, the really the kind of draconian uh, thing you could do is if if you're monitoring your network and you and you see this and it's it's a small number of source IPs. And it's enough traffic to catch your attention in the first place, like mm-hmm. it, it caught Max's attention in his query logs. Um, you could just throttle those queries. You could say, I'm not going to answer them. Uh, you could do that with an ACL in your uh, name server, or conceivably you could do it on, uh, you know, farther downstream or upstream, depending on your perspective, like in a router or, or a firewall. Um, but that's, that's probably not a good idea from a collateral damage perspective. Right, because there's the possibility that something at one of those IP addresses might want to talk to your authoritative name servers, might actually have a, a valid reason to query one of your authoritative name servers for data in some of the zones it's authoritative for. Right, and so now you've, now you've stopped that from happening. And you know, I think we all know that when you, when you hard code something like this, how often do you go yeah. back and take it out? There's all kinds of cruft like that. I mean, I, I'm surprised going back looking at configurations that I've done and, and uh, inevitably I'll clean stuff up when I look at, you know, and this is, this isn't just a bind configuration. It's, it's a whatever configuration, yeah. you know, you go yeah. back and look and realize what, Oh, why did I need that? Why is that there? And you take it out. So inevitably if people make a special case for something like this, a particular attack, it's going to stay there and it's never, it's never coming out. And then if somebody at that IP address, as you said, legitimately needs to contact you, they're out of luck. Right. Right. The same is true of, of black hole. I know that some people have suggested using uh, the bind black hole feature in order to do this and, and to put the querier's IP address in the black hole list. By doing that, basically you're saying uh, if you receive any queries that come from these IP addresses, don't answer them at all. Um, but it has the same net effect. If, if those queriers at any point are, are real legitimate queriers and no longer the spoofed querier, then you won't answer their queries, and so they won't be able to resolve anything in, in your zones. Right. Well, so what do we? Uh, what advice do we want to give if you if you find yourself under under attack? Like, well, I shouldn't say under attack. You're really uh, an unwitting third party to an attack. Right. You're an accomplice. You're an accomplice. Yeah. Right. So what? Uh, you're aiding and abetting. Yes. Well, well, you're you're aiding, or you're you're really that's, that's sort of a pet peeve of mine. Oh, that's right. That's right. I mean, you're, they're the, they're the same. You're helping, and you're helping. <laughs> Um, so what uh, what do you do? I mean, it's a it, it's a tough call because on the one hand, um, you know, if you if you look at the amount of traffic involved, it's probably lost in the noise. I mean, I yeah. you know, Max only sent us a snippet, but I dare say that uh, you know it wasn't causing any impact whatsoever on his network. You know, he 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 probably took this action as I think you used the word good citizen or words to that effect. Yeah. You know, he 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 realized he was an accomplice and and he did this clever thing to to stop that yeah it's commendable right but in in terms of the you know he probably spent much more time if, if we try to uh, it's comparing apples and oranges but the amount of time it took him to craft that solution versus sort of the the net impact to his network of this ongoing attack uh you know not not comparable he did make way more work than damage was being done to his network if i can make that crazy comparison right but when you aggregate all of that you know, I mean, Max's personal contribution to to the overall attack against uh, the ISP that was, was under attack or the registrar that was under attack was also quite small. But I guess if everybody did their part, yeah, it's sort of 
it's sort of an ecological message, isn't it? <laughs> I, I guess. If everybody picked up just a few pieces of trash every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I, I really, uh, wh what do you think Mr. DNS's advice should be here? What, uh, what should you do if you notice that you're being used as an amplifier? Well, I, I think as a good citizen, you should take some sort of uh, corrective action. And, and I think that, that the, two, the two mechanisms that we described, disabling what we call upward referrals by, by setting additional from cash to no, or using that, um, that global uh, name server-wide access. Right, so allow, allow query none. Uh, right, allow the, query none as an option substatement. And then remember, you have to override that on a zone-by-zone zone 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 basis. basis right. Now, if you're running a name server that's authoritative for hundreds or thousands of zones, then that second mechanism is not going to be appealing to you at all because it's going to require <laughs> adding um, allow query any to basically every zone you're authoritative for. So that's going yeah. to be no fun, and it's definitely going to be much easier for you to set additional from cache to none. Yeah. Or to no, sorry. Right. So I, yeah, I, I guess I agree. I, I would think if you if you do notice this, um, it's the the right thing to do is to take to take some action, even if the impact on your network is negligible. Uh, you need you need to realize that you are one of no doubt many people making the attack ultimately effective, and so you know you should do your part. All right, we're yeah. agreed. All right. Well. As I look at the uh, the time spooling by, we are nearly at the uh, the ideal length for a podcast. I think. Is there a is there a sweet spot for a podcast? I, I think it's just under a half an hour, and I base that um, on the length of my commute. <laughs> it would have been would have been perfect if we'd been just right up against uh, half an hour, and and if you'd said that, and we just could have cut it off right there. You know, we could have cut you off mid word at, at thirty minutes. Yeah, but uh, it's. We're not. No, we're not. So now we need to figure out a graceful way to say goodbye. All right. Well, um, would you like to take us out? I will. I'll, I'll just uh, I'll just comment that I don't know how you people in the Bay Area deal with this weather on an ongoing basis. I know. I know. Gosh, it only it only made it into the 60s today, I believe. Yes. Whereas uh, my wife was not amused that at home school was canceled in Montgomery County, Maryland, because there was uh, ice coating every surface. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I understand it's uh, it's pretty bad out there in, in, in some, some parts of the country. So uh, drive safely, bundle up. Um, you know, we, we, we don't want to we don't want to sound smug out here uh, on the West Coast. We no, just, it's far too late for that. <laughs> we already have sounded <laughs> smug, but now we, we want to sound contrite. <laughs> so I will take us out by just reminding you that uh, Mr. DNS uh, and Cricket and I appreciate your questions. Uh, you know, we really have enjoyed the wide variety of questions we've been getting to say nothing of the volume of questions we've been we've been getting yeah um, really. you know we, we've had to pick and choose you know what questions are we going to answer this episode so please remember it's um mr dns at ask dash mr dns.com to send questions and we look forward to getting your questions and talking to you next time bye-bye bye-bye